When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the first episode of season two of Believe in Grizzlies. Um, today I have Amy Stegemeyer. She's my um, co-worker. We write for the uh, Memphis Flyer. Hi, Amy. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So we're 25 games in with the Memphis Grizzlies. And what do you think about about that? Um, they are currently 16 and not, I mean, is it 16 and 9? 16 and, and nine. Yeah, they're 16, 16 and, and nine now. 16 and nine. They're tied for second, third in the West. And um, surprisingly, the Pelicans number one. For a minute, Utah was number one. They was winning all those games and, you know, Mike Pelling got hurt. But that's neither here nor there. So what do you think about the Grizzlies' um, 25 games in the season? Um, I am – I'm actually very pleasantly surprised given that they have not played a single game with their ideal starting lineup this season. Um, you know, they, uh, we did see the return as Iyer Williams and that'll be, that'll be a, a good contribution going forward. Um, the update last night that Desmond Bain is going to be out for another three to four weeks. That, that kind of sucks, but they've, they've demonstrated that they can win with a varied number of lineups don't always include all the players you think they should include. Um, like when Tyus and them beat the brakes off the heat, but like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy that they won, but like, that was, that was, that was not a game that I think people expected us to win with job being out and Jared being out and, Everybody being out. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, it's just like we always talk about it. They talk about it. Um, the next man up mentality is just like, like I tell people, um, that's not like just a phrase, a mantra that they go by. It's just who they are. It's part of the culture, you know, with the team. And they always talking about it. Next man up. And they believe in each other and things like that so I mean it's not just a phrase they live by it absolutely and they like they play for each other as much as they play for anything else 
Uh, but one thing that I've really enjoyed over the past couple of seasons is how much fun they appear to be having while they're playing good basketball, while they're winning basketball games. And, you know, they've all, they're all bought in to where the Grizzlies are going. And, you know, the, the fact that they've had so many, so many varied lineups because of injuries and that they're still 16 and nine. I think that says a whole lot about just how well, they've developed that team culture so that they can, I don't want to say just slot in different guys, but at the same time, that's kind of what they've done is mm-hmm. just, you know, slot, slot in different guys for, for who's out. Um, you know, the, the fact that, that, you know, Bain's going to be out for a little bit longer. I worry how that's going to affect them, but at the same time, they've still managed to perform reasonably well. I think they've won four, was it five of the last six that one? I think it was just the Minnesota game that they lost. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it, it was, it's five of the last six, I think. You know, they've, they've managed to put together solid offense, solid defense. Um, they are doing a little bit better. Um, from the free throw line, that has that has been a huge thorn in their like that. That's an ongoing thing. But I looked at um, I looked at all of the games that they lost, and six of the nine games that they lost, they have missed more free throws than they lost that game by. Right, and that is frustrating. Like, um. The Grizzlies play-by-play guy, uh, Pete Pranica, said something about they were they were last in the league in free throw shooting. I believe it, and I hate it because that is especially on nights when nobody's shot has fallen, drive to the basket, get close to the rim, possibly draw a foul. But if you can, you get in those situations and you have the opportunity to score with the clock stopped, you have to be able to take advantage of those. Um, that really is most of the criticism that I have of the team so far this season is in those moments, they're, you know, not able to make clutch free throws. Well, good thing is like really early in the season and not late in the season is something that they can correct. But then you look at it this way, they're still, they're still winning games. And I think right now they are like, aren't they like nine and two at home? I'm not sure. Ten I don't and two even, at home. Ten and two. Okay, so the game they won on last night was because mm-hmm. I know it was nine and two or something, something like that. Cool, cool. Yeah, when I looked earlier, it was it was a uh, was ten and two. When I looked at the game notes from last night, um, I still remember those because I wrote the game up, which is why I know this. It's not that I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. any more prepared um yeah that's right 10 and 2 uh, but they are they're they're playing good basketball one thing that was frustrating in last night's game against the thunder is i really want to see them get jaron involved more on offense and i want to see them do it earlier in the game um, right because no sh- he didn't he didn't touch like the game much in um the first half 
And then it's just like the whole game, he only took nine shots. And then, like, when you got the commentator, like, well, y'all need to give the ball to Jaren. And when you give the ball to Jaren, that was, like, instant offense or whatever. But to me, I think it's just, like, a lot of that has to do with coaching. You need to find ways to get him involved. Let him touch the ball. He needs to touch the ball on the offense, especially when John Morant and Desmond Bain are not in the lineup. He should be your first option when they are not in the lineup. I just don't understand it. Um, and um, Dylan, you know, going nine for 19. I mean, I'm just like, there's not like no, um, that's not to criticize Dylan or anything, but Jaron Jackson Jr. need to touch the ball more. That's what yeah, that, yeah, no, no shade to Dylan because he really did play well and he shot well from three point range, which is not something that he has done at home this year. Apparently he is a much better shooter on the road than he is at home. Um, the only complaint that I had is I don't know that I want Dylan Brooks taking more shots than John Morant. And he had 19 attempts and I want to say Ja had 16. Um, yes. Like it, it worked out for them. Um, and when his shooting is on, I do want to see him take those shots because I know that when he's in that groove, he can make them. But and, but see, I don't want him to take some of the shots I didn't want him to take because he should have waited to set the offense or whatever and just shooting a three. And then, like, if Jaron Jackson Jr. is a mismatch or whatever, you need to give him the ball. Let him touch it. Yeah, because they didn't really have anybody that could guard him could guard him well and get Jaron the ball, let him get down to the post, let him go to the rim, let him score. Because he, like, their offense can flow through him in that way. And, you know, Dylan, I, I'm, I'm thankful for his offensive contributions, but I'm also really thankful for everything that he can do on the defensive end. And that is where his, most of his value lies with his team. Which is again not to say that that his offensive his offensive contributions aren't aren't valuable, but he is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. He's becoming one of the best two way players, and you can tell when he gets a matchup like with um, Shai Gilgis Alexander, like he takes that really personally when whoever he's supposed to guard is is having a good streak, is having a hot streak. Like, he wants to make sure that he puts his impact on the game. And the first time they played the Thunder and they held SGA to 15 points, um, you know, last night he got 26 to 17 of them were from the free throw line. Right. So he, you so, know, the James Harden is. But right now we have another guest that came on. We have young Harriet from Twitter. What's up, Harriet? Good evening, ladies. How are you? How are you? How you doing? Hey, I'm we were talking good. about yeah, we talking about the Grizzlies. So, Harriet, what grade will you give the Grizzlies um after twenty five games or sixteen and nine? After twenty five games, I'm going to give them a I'm going to give them a B. You know, considering everything that they have had to battle with the different lineups considering the fact that Jai Jaron and Desmond haven't played one minute together. I think they have done are uh, 
very well for themselves as a team and as a staff as a whole. Okay, okay. Um, and then we were talking about last night games. Um, Amy brought up the fact that she was like really impressed with the guys. Um, when they played. Um, oh, I can't even think. Amy, what, they played they, Miami. Yeah, Miami without you know with uh, Ty Jones and the rest of the players, and she was like really impressed with that when they was missing Junior and um Ja and um John Conchar and um you know Desmond he's out Zaire didn't play she was really that's impressed why with they that. paid him that that is exactly why they paid him this summer and why they should have paid him this summer um but I mean if you think about the fact that that they haven't played their ideal starting lineup at all because of injury this season and they're still you know, tied for second in the West. Um, I, I can't be too mad at that. Um, other than frustrations over free throw shooting, I I feel like they're doing a really good job with the guys that they have and working in the rookies that they have so many of. Um, I think once we get more people healthy, you'll probably see Laravia and Roddy spend some time down in South Haven. But right now, they are making active, active contributions to a game, which is kind of a testament to how well they've already started to, to develop under the system. So um, what players um, are you impressed by? I'll start with you, Harriet. Are you impressed uh, by so far? You know, I am, I am the biggest uh, – Jaron Jackson Jr. fan. Mm -hmm. I think uh I think Jaron is the key to this entire thing working, both in the present and for the long term uh sustainability of the team. His two two way ability is just off the charts for me. And when he is engaged and when he is out there leading the defense vocally, I think uh, this team, he he just raises the team's ceiling to to me. Uh, another guy that I've been uh, impressed with that I did not think I was going to be impressed with, I was staunchly against the Grizzlies drafting him, and that was that is Kennedy Chandler because the way that that young man processes the game is cold blooded, like. He doesn't make the same mistake twice. And for somebody 19, maybe even 20 years old, that just speaks to the type of player that the Grizzlies are looking for, the type of player that they draft, and how important basketball IQ really is in, in order to build a, a winner. So, Amy, who are you impressed with so far? Um. I definitely agree about Jaron. Um, I am, I, I'm going to stick with who I said I thought I was going to see taking a leap this year. Um, Santi. Um, I feel like he has, has really stepped up in the minutes that he's gotten uh, this season. And he started to kind of fill in some spaces where they need to be able to pad out. And honestly, Santi Aldama is giving you more right now than I think, anybody expected him to last season right um you know and 
he's also kind of him and John Contra are sort of proof of concept that the Grizzlies and the hustle are kind of in synchronicity as far as, you know, their, their player development. They've got guys that are developing down in South Haven who play with the hustle, who hone their skills. And then they come back and they play with the team and they're actually, you know, given active minutes, good contributions. Um, You know, I've, I expect that we'll see more of the rookies, you know, get shuffled off down there once everybody is healthy, but they've got, you know, guys that they've developed through their program in South Haven and they fit in with what the Grizzlies are doing on the court now. And they're able to take that and get wins. Um, It's, it's a pleasant surprise. So for me, it's just like, I'm really impressed with Jaron. I like that he's, seems like he's been more aggressive. I know the first game, you know, he came back when they played the Pelicans and like lost, you know, he just settled for threes. But every game after that, he's not been just settling. He's been like um, going to the paint. He's been uh, using the mismatches. The only thing I hate is that sometimes they don't find him on the offense. But I know that that's going to get better, um, you know, as the season go on because he is like one of the best two-way players. And then I know, you know, he had to – his body had to fit with what's going on with him and whatever. And then he worked hard during the summer. And then, you know, he had the foot injury, but he's just been so aggressive. He's been, you know, been different this season. And I think if he keep playing in this level, he's going to be an all-star. I really believe that the fan might not, the fans might not vote him in, but I believe the coaches are the coaches are looking at him, and I think if he keeps it up, he's going to be an all star. That would be awesome if we could get Jai and Jaron as all stars. Um, I I didn't say Jaron because I felt like that was I don't want to say self explanatory, but I'm more surprised by what Santi has done. I'm not surprised to see Jaron take this leap. But he's shown that he can give you everything he gives you on the defensive end, and he can still give you, you know, 20, 22 points a night. And one thing that we're not talking about that we've talked about in the past is him being in foul trouble. He has done remarkably well um, staying out of foul trouble and, you know, him to be able to defend without fouling and convert on the other end of the floor once they get him involved in the offense. Um, I mean, th- this team isn't what it is without Jaron. Exactly. So I, um, and I think that if that, you know, they have a level of sustainability that you can kind of count on for the next several years with Jaron and John Desmond Bain. And yeah, and John Morant just fucking amazing. I mean, I mean, what, what more can we say? I mean, it's just, yeah. <laughs> Amy, you brought up such a good point, though, about Santi. And I think that's what people, uh, I can honestly say this aside from Jaron, Santi is my favorite player on the Grizzlies roster right now. I think what is catching people off guard about Santi is Santi might be even more versatile than Kyle Anderson. Now, just, just, Think about the role that Kyle Anderson played for this team the last couple of years. 
Right. I could see that. Yes. Kyle Kyle was known as the defensive stopper. He was known as the brains of the operation. Not not only has Santi performed admirably defensively, he is also he he could be the best passer on this team. I'm not talking about the the flashiest. Ja take off takes all of that in the flashy uh department. But if you look at the plays that, that Sonny has made just over the last two games, in the Miami game, he did a whip pass from the from the baseline and hit Dylan Brooks directly in the shooting pocket. He uh a behind the back pass, one one dribble power dribble to uh Brandon Clark. And he went up and he slammed like like those little nuances in his game, and he he possesses uh, a gravitas and a bravado that this team needs because they feed off of that. And I think people are a little they're a little taken aback, but you got and I tell people even in spaces, Santi was not slow. Right, Santi led the U nineteen team in Spain to the gold medal. So the Grizzlies front office, they're very methodical about who who they who they're picking and why they're picking them. And the Grizzlies clearly needed a fourth big. And Santi has filled in admirably in their role. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait until it's a Santi and Jaron front line where Jaron can assume the role of the five and Santi can play that stretch big as well as a pick-and-pop combination between the two of them, which I believe is going to be virtually unguardable. And also, you can't forget about how good of a passer Steven Adams is. That guy's a good passer. Um, Okay, so um, Harriet brought up um, Kyle Anderson, and I wanted to talk about this. There's a contingent on Twitter that constantly brings up the absence of DeAnthony Melton and Cal Anderson. You know, because the defense was hurting early on in the absence of Jaron Jackson Jr. But for me, you know, I'm thinking it's not the absence of those two. I'm thinking that it was the absence of Jaron because, like, now, since Jaron is implemented in the offense and defense, um, everything picks up, you know, just today. Someone pointed out that the Grizzlies top 10 in offense and defense. And I think that has to do with having one of the best program defenders in Dylan Brooks and then also having the best all-around defenders in, like, last year first-team all-defensive player big man, Jaron Jackson Jr. I think that's what they were missing. Dylan couldn't do it by himself. But when Jaron's out there, Jaron don't even have to, like, really block a shot. He can attempt to block a shot. And that messes up, you know, like the other player's mind. He can get in front of somebody and they like be scared that he's going to block their shot and it helps with the defense. And then there's a deflection and all that. So what do you guys think? Because I'm just tired of hearing that, you know, like Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melling was good players, you know, on the team, but hell, they were role players. Absolutely. And I, I miss Kyle Anderson, but uh, Harriet mentioned Santi is really slipping into the role that Kyle Anderson's played the last several seasons. And if you have to make a priority of how you're going to balance salaries, then I think it was a good idea to 
to run Tyus's money. Um, I'm, I, I have been team pay Tyus Jones for the last two seasons. So I'm glad that they did. Um, it hurts a little bit to see, to see Kyle Anderson in Minnesota, but I, I think he's a fantastic player and I want to see him do well, but I don't think, and I've, this might not be popular, but I think the I think the Grizzlies miss him more than they miss Anthony Melton, um, and that's no and that's no shade to Melton either. But Kyle Anderson did a lot of things, and he did a lot of things quietly mm-hmm. that that enabled them to to be able to kind of shore up their offense and their defense. Um, you know he gets in positions and plays and there were, I mean, there were some games that were Kyle Anderson games, which I don't think anybody expected. Um, But I don't think, I don't think the Grizzlies are worse off now. Not, not by any stretch of the imagination. And that's not because I had anything against either of those players. I like DeAnthony Melton and I love Kyle Anderson, but they're not the difference makers on this team. And if you've got Santi Aldama to give you what Kyle Anderson gave you, then you roll with that. And obviously they've rolled with it for 25 games and, you know, are, are sitting second, third in the West. And then, and then plus it's just like, it's Santi's second year in the, in, in the, in the league, his second year. So what are your thoughts, Harriet? I think, <laughs> You know what? I think it's pretty much time to put this um this debate, this question to bed. Because depending on the result of the game, you're gonna get a reaction from one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the one of the issues, and I even said to myself, one of the problems that people were having was you didn't know what you were gonna get from a Santiago. Uh, no, nobody saw saw this version of Santiago. You know, if you even if you go back and look at his G League performances, nobody saw that. You didn't even see it in summer league. You you uh didn't know what to expect from Jake Laravia or David Roddy. It was it was almost you you would rather stick with the devil that you used to rather than uh open up a new uh package to me. Uh. D'Anthony Melton, to me, I, I said it last year in spaces. D'Anthony Melton was as good as gone. He was as good as gone. I know people think D'Anthony Melton was this awesome defensive stopper, but D'Anthony Melton couldn't guard a parked car. Couldn't keep, <laughs> he couldn't keep his man in front of him. I'm sorry. Uh, I know what the numbers look like. Analytically, he was an analytical darling. Yes, but when it came down to it, he he couldn't guard, and most importantly, he couldn't hit a shot when the Grizzlies needed him to. Uh, same thing for Kyle Anderson, but more so, he couldn't hit he couldn't hit a shot. That's why he's in Minnesota, and why the Grizzlies was not work. They weren't gonna pay him ten million dollars when they had a six eleven uh, uh, forward who who has been training and been training to uh, take his spot. Uh, like I, I love Kyle Anderson, and I said this the other day um, during the Philadelphia game uh, when DeAnthony Melton returned. I said the best part of that, the best part of that game to me was at the end 
when everybody went over to the Anthony Melton and they still slapped five with him <laughs> like he was on the team. That's the best part of the game. Ben let that let fans know that you can let go of some of these players and they can still be friends. That's my whole thing about it. The Anthony Melton, he, he cool, but I'm glad he gone because he can't hit <laughs> shots and he can't guard nobody. And uh, I'm glad Kyle Edison gone because we got sick of him hitting the side of the rim. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <I> um, <laughs> don't yeah, Amy. <laughs> I was gonna say I can't disagree with a single single line of that. That that is one hundred percent factually correct. Okay, so now I want to talk about um, how has the Desmond Bain injury put a damper on things for the Grizzlies? Um, for me, I think it hurts their um three point shooting, and then. Man, he was having a hell of a season, and man, I thought we was gonna have that third All Star. <clears throat> what are your thoughts, Amy? Um, I definitely miss his impact um, from distance, and he was shaping up to have again a, the best season of his career. Um, he he played his ass off, and. You know, it, it hurts to think that, I mean, you hear sprained right toe and you think, well, how, how can that be, you know, something that could, could keep somebody out? Like, he can have one of my toes. That's fine. But, like, I don't think that they're going to let that, that slow their momentum. I'm worried that it'll slow the, the momentum that Desmond Bain specifically has built for himself so far this season. Well, the injury uh, update says he also has a – Sesamoid injury. I don't know if I'm um spelling that right, but it's like um involving the chronic inflammation of the sesamoid bones and tendons and stuff. So it probably a little bit more difficult than um you know we know or understand. But you know I'm not a podiatrist. You know like the people on Facebook or whatever um who just say that you know he should be back. You know even though he just got a sprained toe for him to play through it. Obviously, you know, they don't want the man to, you know, mess up his foot where he can't play, you know, whatever. I mean, let it ride. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm not a podiatrist or, you know, whatever. Yeah, what? <laughs> I didn't go to medical school, so that that's not that's not my determination to make. I hate that, that you know, it sucks that he's out, but mm -hmm. I appreciate the overly cautious approach that they are taking to player rehab um, especially given how well Desmond Bain has played. Um, I, you know, like I said, I, I worry mostly that he will lose the momentum that he had started to, to build for himself um, mm -hmm. through the first part of the season. I'm not necessarily like I'm, I'm not ready to panic. Like, oh, well, oh shit, this is you know going to tank the Grizzlies' chances because I don't think it will. I think they've proven that they've they've got enough guys on that team that that do. I mean, they do absolutely embody the whole next man up mentality, and you know, like they they have a contingency plan for everyone, and it might not be the same. It might not be as good, but they're still winning games without Desmond Payne in the lineup. So keep him sidelined until you know he's 100%. Yeah, 
don't your... don't risk. Go ahead, go ahead, Amy. Don't don't risk one. don't risk him further, you know, further aggravating something that could keep him out longer. What are your thoughts, Harriet? I'm not worried in the least, uh, Amy. I'm with you 100%. Keep him out for as long as it takes for him to heal. I don't think people realize that he tried to play through this injury uh, when, it, when it first occurred. And the pain tolerance probably was so that he couldn't do it anymore. Uh, the person that I think this affects the most is Dylan Brooks. I'm going to tell y'all right now, I'm not the biggest Dylan Brooks fan. I, I think it's something wrong with Dylan Brooks. I really do. Uh, it's, just, it's just me. It's something. It's something really wrong with that cat. And and, and he, I just feel like he just give his girlfriend or wife or whoever she is hell. I, I can just feel it in my spirit. Uh, yeah, he 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 is going to assume the role of the number two again, and I think. I, I just don't want him see see him taking more shots than Jared. I just don't. Uh, even last night, people think he played well. Yeah, he he played okay, but he still took nineteen shots, and Jared took about nine. Yep, and nine shots. He, and and I I don't I don't understand it, considering the fact that our two best jump shooters, one of them is hurt, and the other one just came back from injury last night. So, again, you know, I, I have a thing with Dylan Brooks. I, I'm, I'm working on it. You know, I've how I feel about Dylan Brooks kind of kind of falters a little bit from day to day. But I I think he's hilarious. I'm a fan of his game. I'm a fan of his attitude. Um, like he came in from the very first game that he played and shot five threes. And I thought, okay, this kid, this kid is doing something. Um, do I think that he will eventually play himself off this team in terms of the contract that he might command and whether or not the Grizzlies need to, to put that dip in, in, the, in the cap space? Yeah, I think that's, that's probable. But, you know, you know what he's going to give you. Unfortunately, that also a lot of times means he's going to take 19 shots over somebody else. I don't ever want to see him take more shots than John Morant. And I want to see, you know, just like Harriet said, I, w I want to see Jaron taking more shots. Um, what Dylan gives you the most of is on the defensive end. And so when he can make an offensive contribution, it's good and, and they can use it. But, I feel sometimes about Dylan Brooks shooting the way I used to feel about Tony Allen shooting three, shooting three pointers. Like you kind of live with it. You don't ever necessarily love it because there, there have been times where he just, just shot the ball too many times and it wasn't going in and he still wanted to keep shooting on the perimeter. Like he's one of those players, like, please, if your shot's not falling within the first three attempts, please drive to the rim please stop jacking up threes seven minutes into the shot clock or seven seconds into the shot clock, excuse me. 
Yeah, I, I I get that, but it's just like I mean he is a better offensive player than Tony Allen. Don't get oh. me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Oh, every I mean, day. But yeah, he. I mean he's okay when he's on. He's on. But when he's off, he's off. I mean it's just that's just plain and simple. Some nights he's like he's like the. It's just like that's why he's dealing the villain. Cause some night you be like yes dealing the yes. Then some nights you be like no dealing no no because yes. like. One and night, he, I, one night, I was like, "Pass the ball, bro! Pass the ball!" I kept hollering that the whole game. Pass the ball, bro! Pass the ball. Well, he has gotten better in passing the ball, but I just think it needs to be more. He need to do more. I mean, he he needs to pass the ball more. That's just plain. He needs, yeah, he he needs to do less shooting, more passing. Um, when he's when he's on a on a night like he was on last night, where he's actually making his threes, we love to see it. But eh, again, most of of what you need Dylan Brooks for happens on the other end of the floor, right. and he t- he takes his defensive matchup so seriously, and like he, he's the kind of player that if he's on your team, you love him. If he's playing against your team, you hate him. I totally understand why other other teams' fans don't like Dylan Brooks. It's one of the reasons I like Dylan Brooks. <laughs> we might as well get ready to hate him, ladies. Uh, I one of the best things about this Grizzlies organization is they will give you an opportunity to play your way on or off this roster. Uh, Either way, Dylan is going to do it with guns blazing. Uh, he literally shot the ball last night and shot it off of the back of the rim, and everybody thought it was just the greatest pass in the world. I, are y'all kidding me? Uh, the the pro, And my thing is this. I have no problem with Dylan personally. Don't even know him like that. People say, why, why you hate on Dylan? No, no. I want Dylan to be efficient and he he walks that line of being a maniac and being just what the Grizzlies need when they need him to be he just he to me he just doesn't know it like we want him to stop shooting he gonna shoot six more times before Jerry get the ball and I said see (laughs) well well, last night one time he did Jaron was coming behind him. He did wait on Jaron. He passed him the ball, and then Jaron went to the rim and got, you know, got the two points. So, I mean, sometimes he's like night and day. I mean, he's getting better. But, like, seasons ago, he probably wouldn't have passed that all. Then sometimes he have five assists assist a game. That's a plus. <laughs> that, yeah, that I don't like Dylan Brooks. I don't like when Dylan Brooks wants to play hero ball because there have, there have been times where Dylan has kind of put the team on his back. Those those are few and far in between. Right. I, 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 I'm not trying to see Dylan Brooks be the guy, be, be who John Morant is. Um, you know, I, I love that he's confident. Sometimes he's too confident and sometimes he's a ball hog and he needs to, to move the ball around a little bit more. Um, and you know, except that some nights his shots aren't going to fall. So please stop taking these ill-advised shots, like just, just wild three-point shots that if, 
you spent two more seconds, drove to the basket, you could get it like, I'd rather you make two points than miss three. If you've missed three over and over again, like at some point, like, please, please stop doing the thing that's not working. If, if you're not, if it's not your night, it's not your night. Don't try and make it your night. And I think Dylan Brooks is one of the players that like, he he wants to be Steph Curry every game, and he's not. No, baby, that no, that's that's Dollar Tree Kobe right there. <laughs> hey, yeah, I call him Kobe with the C. Oh no, I, that that I, I started calling him Dollar Tree Kobe, you know, for for a minute. He been he Dollar Tree Kobe, but uh, then again, I don't know which game it was. Um, I, I my memory, um, like in the playoffs against Golden State, I don't know if it was Game Five. Uh, one of them games where they was in uh four or whatever. I think it was probably was four. But one of those games, they I think it was game four. They was in um Golden State. They had them down most of the game. And I think that's one of the games Jaw didn't play, you know, because he got hurt or whatever. They should have won that game. And I blame, I was mad at Dylan Brooks and Taylor Jenkins for a long time because they had that series. You know, they could have they could have won that series. But Dylan Brooks, you know, he was being selfish. And Jenkins didn't call him out on it. And they could have won that game. And they could have had the momentum. And that was, oh, I hated that. Then, like, they came back and they won the next game in Memphis. Then they went back to Golden State. They had that game for a minute. Then Dylan wanted to play the hero stuff. And then it's just like, you have to reel him in and tell him, hey, you have to pass the ball more. You can't play hero ball or whatever. You are not the star of this team. You shouldn't be taking more shots than John Morant. You shouldn't be taking more shots. But like I said, I don't hate Dylan, but sometimes I just think that he's overzealous and, you know, know your role, bro. Know your role. Yeah, that 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 last game in, in Golden State, the last two minutes of that game, like they had – they were there. And right. then when that game started to slip away, Dylan started playing really selfishly. And I, in my bones, I believe that if they'd have managed to get through that game, Jaw would have come back in game seven. And, and that would have been that, um, you know, of course I also maintain that if Mike Conley didn't get his face broke in uh, 2015, that we've all been having a very different conversation these last several years. So, you know, um, I think the Warriors are good, but I don't think they're unstoppable. And honestly, the Grizzlies came really close to stopping them. So, you know, that when you get in those situations and you see where Dylan plays selfish basketball, that's the kind of thing you want to rein in. That's what you don't want to see because you're right. He's not the star of this team. Right. And he's, he's a good player. Not- yes. Right. Like, somebody needs to remind him of that every day. You are not John Morant. You are not Jaron Jackson Jr. Honestly, I would say that he's probably the fourth on this team. Exactly. With John, yeah. Jaron, and Desmond. Yeah. So, exactly. Play, so, you know, play in the system. Stop playing selfish basketball. Um, because when he's moving the ball, you know, they do a lot better, but when he gets in those those games where he's de- he decides that like he wants to shoot every single possession that they have, like bro, please, 
That's the tail. You bring up such good points, and and this is not to rag on Dylan. As a fan, you would hope he would be more self aware and more secure in his position on the team. Because it's no, it, it goes without saying that they need him, and his role is critical to the uh, short term and long term success of this team. But you, you really, like you said, uh, shy. You gotta know, you gotta know your role. Like we don't need you to shoot twenty times. We need Jaron to get that ball, and for Jaron to utilize, you know, that mismatch. You know, like Jaron is literally a mismatch every night. So why not put the ball in his hands and get, get empower him to make those decisions? That's why he made that pocket pass yesterday to uh Brandon Clark. How many times have we seen that in five years from Jaron? You have if they people say, well, who's gonna be the number two behind behind uh Ja? It's always been Jaron. People forget. In the bubble, Jaron was the best player in the bubble. Before he got hurt. Okay. People, because of the spectacular nature of Ja Morant, people seem to forget that. And I understand that Desmond Bain continues to improve, but I'm, a, I'm going to keep on saying this. There is no other player almost in this league that is as versatile as Jaron Jackson Jr. And his presence and or absence really affects this team like no other person who can be present or absent on their team in the league in my opinion uh and Dylan like I said with Desmond being out I think it's going to affect him the most right and then because, last year oh yeah. I'm sorry and last year like Jaron you know when Jar was out people need to understand like they had Dylan Jaron and Desmond Bain, they took up a lot of slack, you know, and plus Tyus Jones. But Jaron was a constant. He played 78 games last year. So Jaron was a constant, you know, on the offensive end. You know, he wasn't as great, you know, as good as he is now, but he still, you know, was putting up numbers. And, you know, Desmond Bain and Dylan. So it's just like they played, you know, as a team or whatever. When Jar was out, it's just like, the constant to me was Jaron Jackson Jr. That's what I'm. That's what I'm gonna say, and that's what I'm gonna stick with. You can go ahead, Harry. He he absolutely was, and people people rag on him uh, about his rebounding. Go back and look at some of those games Jaron played in without job when Jaron was the number one option. Jaron was a twenty and ten guy, along with playing defense. So you can't tell me he he doesn't have the ability to do it. He has to be empowered to do it in the same way Taylor Jenkins empowers Ja Moran, in the same way Ja empowers Dez, in the same way Ja empowers uh, Zaire. That's that's why in the conversation you and I were having the other day, that I said, you know, it it's cool for Ja Morant to run down the run down the court at a hundred miles per hour. But you know who he's leaving behind? He's leaving behind Jared. Y'all doing all this jump shooting in the first quarter, and y'all not hit y'all nothing. Y'all not hit nothing but Bill Street. That that's how many bricks y'all was throwing up. They were hit nothing but Bill Street. Meanwhile, 
jog going 100 miles per hour, but you got a walking mismatch playing his tail off on the defensive end. I don't understand it. Well, on that note, Amy, we need to talk about our um, article in the Memphis Magazine. Um, we chose um, John Morant and the Grizzlies as the Memphians of the year. So, Amy, I wanted to uh, ask you, like, when we first knew that we was going to write this article, how did you feel? I mean, me, I was just like, man, um, here I go in my head. I know I'm a good writer. I know I can do this, that, and the other, whatever. But am I going to fuck it up? Yeah, That's I had I- a lot of those thoughts. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's, it's a big assignment. Right. And, you know, we, we did have to do, you know, do a little back and forth on it. But if you look at that article, we understood the assignment. And I feel like we were able to portray both, you know, the heart and the culture of the team, of the players and the staff, but also the sort of ambassadorship that they have in the city. And, you know, so to be able to say we're going to honor we're going to honor the whole team. We're going to honor the whole organization. And so you get into all these little things that everybody does and everybody's got something. And, you know, they do several initiatives with, with the school district. They do the mentoring program. They've got the Grizzlies prep Academy. Um, They have invested a lot of time and money and, and elbow grease in this city from pretty much the year that 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 the, the organization came to Memphis and they have they have maintained that and they get all they get all the guys involved right and then it's just like uh well I let me go ahead and plug so you can go on memphismagazine.com and um they got a promotion going on right now um, I think you can get a year subscription for like $18 and then you get this magazine free. They'll ship it right to you. And then you can go to like Fresh Market, um, Noble, or you can go to some Kroger's and you can buy it. It only costs like $5.99. So, I mean, I need you guys to go out and get this magazine because like this is a really dope article. It is. And it it kind of put a it was nice to be able to try and show people something that I really enjoy about this basketball organization that is, that is not just X's and O's because the impact that they have on the city goes beyond what they do on the court. And I I don't necessarily know how every other NBA's team relationship is with, with their home city. I do know that we have something here that is unique and, and it's very Memphis. And, you know, I was born and raised here. I've been here for almost 42 years. Um, this is my home. And I know that it's not always, like, people, people give Memphis a lot of flack, but there is so much good in the city. And there's so much that this particular organization has perpetuated in, in service to this community and that is just as important as the games that they win and they all will put on for this city um 
we don't really get champions like that very often. Right. And then it's just like, for for me, right now, it's just like, uh, Zach Randolph, he still is the king of Memphis. But surely, but surely, it's going to be, you know, uh, John Moran and, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. and them in a minute. But, you know, like yeah. Zebo, <laughs> he's still Zebo because it's like, when you talk about Zach Randolph, you get, you know, talk to people. Hey, they was like, like, man, Zach Randolph had paid pay people, you know, utility bills. Like, you would hear stories about Zach Randolph, like, taking off his shoes and, you know, giving it to people. You would hear about Zach Randolph going in the hood and just taking care of people. You know, the camera wasn't involved. You know, and just yeah. like when Ja when first came here, Ja was doing stuff. And then it's just like, they do stuff where... You don't get any, you know, there's no um, media announcement or whatever. They just do stuff and just give to people. They don't have to announce it. And that's what I like about it. It's authentic. It's not forced. You know, have to, you know how like they have to do the forced stuff where they have to give away. But you see the joy in it. When they're doing stuff, you see the joy in things. And that, that's what I love about these players and the organization in the city. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not from Memphis. But Memphis is my home. I've been here for almost 20 years. So I am Memphis. And then it pisses me off when people talk down about it. Some, somehow, you know, it's violent. You know, there is violence. But you need to look at the issues that cause the violence. You know, it's just like it's, it's a city where, you know, people are poor. They're really below the poverty level. And then like that, when that happens, you know, the crime happens. But, you know, there's still good people here. You know, just because you poor or whatever, that don't mean you're a bad person. And then it's just like some people just need a way out. And then some people who commit crime, it's just like they really don't want to hurt people. But sometimes they be trying to, re um, you know, feed their families. But, you know, they don't mean they should or whatever. But some people, they can change, you know. But I believe in second chances. And I just believe that Memphis is a good city and people don't need to turn their back on folks. Whatever. But I, I love my city. What about you, Harriet? I'm going to tell y'all a quick story really quick. Um, last week was Thanksgiving. Um, my God. You know, all my days were together. So, Chelsea Wright Johnson, who works for the Grizzlies in several capacities, she put on Twitter, you know, uh, is there anybody who knows any families in need of a Thanksgiving dinner? So I looked at the responses. Nobody responded. So I reached out to her through Twitter, and she responded. And two families who were in need of Thanksgiving dinner got Thanksgiving dinner courtesy of the Grizzlies. Oh, wow. So those are the things that this organization has done that you don't get media coverage for and you don't really need media coverage for that that's why other I talk to other fan bases and I kid you not they are jealous of the connection to the culture that the Grizzlies have with this city and when you do things like this and when you when you talk about situations that both of you ladies highlighted and do things like what uh, Kelsey uh, did it just it just proves out that Memphis is the most beautifulest place in the land, even with all its, you know, scars and everything else. I, I fully believe 
Ooh, Lord, if we win a championship, I, pr I probably get fired from our, I probably get fired because I'm not going to work. If we win a championship, uh, we're have we're gonna have a float in the parade. Somebody else is gonna drive it because we are gonna talk a lot of shit. But yes, like that, and I, I feel like this is this is the group of guys that that can lead this team to a championship. You know, there's there's always a part of me that, that is gonna love what the core four built. Um, I love Zach Randolph. Um, I love the fact that he's still involved in the city, involved in the organization some. Um, he really embraced this city, and he kind of made the blueprint for how other players embrace the city when they come here. And, you know, Zach Randolph, like you said, he paid people's utility bills. You know, he used to, to get together. You know, they'd, they'd hand out meals. They'd do all kinds of outreach that I don't think any of these things are things that they have to do, but they do them and they do them happily. And, and they do them like this. They, they don't, you can tell it's not, it's not just for a photo op. Like they really care about serving the community that they are in. And it, that to me is beautiful. If you love Memphis, I will love you most right. of the time. Yeah, the saying goes, if you love Memphis, Memphis will love you back. And on that note, ladies, I thank you all for hanging with me tonight. And, hey, we're going to have to do it again. We really are. But, hey, I want you guys to go out. Get that Memphis magazine. It's a hard mm -hmm. article in there about your Memphis Grizzlies. All right. Yeah. It, it, it was nice having you guys. I will Thank talk to you. you. Opportunity. All right, I'll Thank talk you. to you guys later. All, All right. right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.